0: Welcome to the Risk and Repeat Podcast, episode number 116. I'm Rob Wright, and we have a special episode of the podcast series this week. We're going to be uh, discussing a couple of subjects in relation to the cybersecurity workforce shortage, skills gap, whatever you, however you want to term that, and in relation to various other problems that the industry has currently and why we don't have enough people to fill these positions, why there are so many unfilled positions, why there aren't enough people going into InfoSec, what different companies and different organizations are doing about it. And one of the topics, that, side topics that we wanted to discuss in relation to the overall workforce issue was the uh, gender disparity gap here in InfoSec and Maddie Bacon. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for letting me come back.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> I know that you've been working on a, a couple of things. You were working on a story regarding sort of the tailing off of the RSA conference and the Our SA conference that would emerge in response to that and sort of the underrepresentation of uh, uh, female InfoSec professionals at a lot of these InfoSec events, these different cybersecurity conferences, and wanted to talk to you a little bit, about that and what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Um, But first, kind of give an overview of, I I guess the way the issue of of gender applies to the workforce shortage. And one of the things that I've been hearing repeatedly from a lot of different people is that there needs to be some type of um, effort or outreach or uh, uh, plan strategy to get more women involved in InfoSec because it's, I, I, and you've seen percentages, what are the, you know, 10, 12% of the industry is Somewhere is in that range, yeah. It's pretty bad. And there's gotta be a way to raise that. And there's gotta be a, a, a way to, 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 I guess, raise the number of applicants, total applicants for different InfoSec jobs, the number of people going into the InfoSec field but specifically as it pertains to women in InfoSec, do you feel like, you know, from what you've seen so far and you've been working on this story, do you feel like the fact that there aren't that many women at, at these InfoSec events, is that reflective of the problem or is that maybe even a cause of it?
1: It's both, okay. actually. There aren't a lot of women at security conferences um, partially because there aren't a lot of women in security right. And also partially because the women who are in security aren't either comfortable going to these events or they don't see a lot that um, they don't see a lot of other female speakers. Um, so there's that sort of representation issue. And because you're not seeing a lot of female speakers at these conferences and the big events and you know all this, the stuff that gets publicized so much, I think it's not intuitive for a woman to want to go into that field hmm. just if they don't see anybody else who's, who's been working in the field and has been doing so successfully and who's being recognized for it. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Sort of a self-perpetuating mm-hmm. cycle. I'm a big believer in representation matters. Yes. So I remember, and this is this is silly, but you know, sort of localize this to my own like life. I remember when I was a kid, Star Wars, Star Trek, mostly men. Not a lot of girls in the Star Wars. You know, boys dressing up as Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Boba Fett, blah. <laughs> But now, like, with the new movies, like, my daughter is super, super into Star Wars now.
1: What's the main girl there? Ray. Ray. Yeah, that's why. So, <laughs> she's, like, she
0: sees those characters, like, in, and, and it's not just Star Wars. There are many other uh, types of, of popular fiction now. She's really, you're going to love this, Maddie, because uh, you're a, a stated uh, Harry Potter fan. Oh, absolutely. She got her first taste of Harry Potter, and now she wants to be Hermione. Like, she, she is just like...
1: Join the club. <laughs> she is
0: overjoyed. Uh, so, but yeah, representation matters. If you're only ever seeing people in InfoSec of a certain gender, then as someone of the opposite gender, you may sit there and go, oh, I don't know, is this for me? Is Do I see a career path here? Um,
1: and and in, there's intimidation with it also.
0: There is intimidation. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I've been to a lot of security conferences. I've never – I've been to a lot of technology conferences. We were talking about this earlier. And I've seen a lot of uh, bad behavior, uh, discouraging behavior uh, from, from men that does not make for a welcoming atmosphere or environment for women. I, I will happily say that since I've been covering InfoSec, I've never found that to be the problem. I've never witnessed anything. I've never gone to a conference or an event and seen, like, you know, people shunning or sort of discouraging or um, whatever you want to call it, mansplaining or or just, you know, trying to shut, you know, women down or shut them out. But on the other hand, I do think representation matters. And if you don't see enough people that are like you in a particular Field or particular industry or particular space, that's sort of its own form of discouragement. Is it the end of the world? No, no, it's, it's not. I'd rather, I'd, I would take the underrepresentation any day over having a hostile atmosphere or environment. At the same time, we could do better. We could do a lot better. And this obviously came up when we were talking about RSA conference and the lack of, of female speakers there. I mean, that's one way to sort of raise the profile and get more attention to. Uh, female, like women professionals in InfoSec. And there are a lot of them out there that are really good. There are, yes. Um, so what uh, what else are you hearing on the subject of like these events and why they don't have as much uh, female... I mean, is it normally just sort of there aren't as many female professionals in the field, so it's harder to get speakers or is it, you know?
1: Um, I spoke to somebody... Uh, for the article that I'm working on about this actually. And I brought up the, you know, the argument that there aren't a lot of female speakers at security conferences because it's just reflective of the industry. And she used some colorful language and said, that's BS. Um, I'm looking forward to this article. By yeah, way. I'm really, really, <laughs> really looking forward to it. Um, she, yeah, she just said, that's like, sure but the women are out like women are there yeah. you know they're not she said we, we're we here we're doing the work there's a know? lot of
0: very high profile uh, respected women individuals like you're mm-hmm. not trying this is the thing if you have 10 12 15 slots you can find 5 or 6 really outstanding like female professionals in the field like falling out of a boat Like you, like that's <laughs> That's not hard. It would be hard to say, I'm going to build a team of, you know, 500 people and I want half of them to be. That's not what you're doing with these events, like with the keynotes. You're just Mm -hmm. looking for some subject matter experts.
1: Right. And you said, you know, you could easily find five or six. I mean, a lot more, but you could easily find, in this example, five or six. As a a proportional number, um, I'm just throwing it. Like, on, on outstandingly high. qualified women. Yeah. Which is great, and yeah, but are you holding the male speakers to the same standard? Are they outstandingly competent? No. You shouldn't have to... I'm shaking my head for the listeners.
0: I'm in shaking my head earnestly. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I've seen a lot of events where it's, you're just like, wow. The standard that
1: women are held to just to be able to participate yeah. is bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: like there was there was some really good sessions at Identiverse like we mm-hmm. both went to that and uh, there was one in particular um, Sarah Squire on the Ping Identity team she um, gave a, a, a really good sort of uh, overview d- a session and it was excellent I, but I, there were other ones there that, that were like really kind of dull and you, you do wonder like are they are, are people sort of held to the same standard of what is going to make for compelling uh content at an event and you know are are certain people getting by because they are a ceo or because they they're a well-known name and they they've been doing this a long time and, and they've got a track record in a number of years under their belt i don't know i mean it's hard to get into the heads of the organizers i mean i've, I've worked with events teams at different jobs and i know a lot of times, like, you do get attracted to the big name. Like, you, you say, oh, I right. can get this person, and I know it's going to put butts in the seats. I don't know right. that the person's going to be good, but...
1: It doesn't really matter at that point. Exactly.
0: that, And that's the sad thing. And it's like, I, I don't... That's that's unfortunate, because then you're never going to branch out. And I think... And I don't know if this features... If this plays into your article at all, but I know that, like, Black Hat has... I mean, all InfoSec events, you have to submit stuff and mm-hmm. go through a go through process on whether or not to be accepted for a, a session. But Black Hat's got a reputation for being particularly like rigorous for that, even today, as it's become more sort of vendor-focused and technology-focused, as opposed to you know, maybe 10 years ago. But they've got a pretty good reputation for that. That's
1: because they have a blind selection process. Blind
0: selection, exactly, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I want to point out one thing. That I heard recently. So I interviewed uh, Tammy Mosquitos from Accenture, and she is like a CISO advisor at Accenture. So she runs this part of the, of the business where um, they advise different enterprises on like CISO strategy and like sort of uh, they they become like a trusted advisor. And she she's been a career CISO. She's worked at a lot of different organizations. She's got a pretty long track record. I don't know if you read that interview, but she talked about her sort of um, her career path and how hard it was. And at one point, she this is really sad. I'm gonna tell you this uh, and, and tell this to the listeners, but tell you, Maddie, it's gonna make you really upset. So she, she, one of her first jobs, she was like an admin position and she created this job to be like a network admin. She built like this Apple talk network. This is like decades ago, this is a long time ago. And uh, and uh, her boss said, "Write up, you know, write up a job description for this. This sounds great." So she did, and they gave it to a guy who didn't build a network. She did. They gave it to a guy, and she asked, "You know what the he- you know what the hell? This is BS." And apparently, the boss told her, "Well, you know, to do this job, you're going to have to have to go under desks and whatnot, and you have to wear a skirt, and that's uh. just not appropriate." <laughs> But that's, and that's, you know, I, I think it, at one point I said during the interview, I was like, I, this sounds like some madmen type, like this wasn't, but this couldn't have been that long ago, given your, you know, your age, just like, no, it wasn't that long ago, but yeah, I, it, we don't run into that th- sort of thing anymore, but yeah, it wasn't that long ago that you could just sort of dismiss it out of hand as being something from the fifties or sixties. It boring. wasn't, no. um, but she talked about sort of how you know 30 years ago it, it's like you had 10 or 12% women in technology or women in whatever sort of burgeoning field infosec was at that time but technology in general and now it's still around 10 or 11% but it's it's like you have you have you have millions more like women in technology and women in or thousands more, hundreds of thousands more in InfoSec because it's a smaller field. Mm-hmm. But it still isn't, like, so you have more, but proportionally, it's the same number. And it and she was saying, it, you know, it's it drives her crazy and there's gotta be some way to sort of encourage younger people to get into the field. But do you think, like, events is a way to do that? Because I do – every year there's new people that have never been to RSA. Every year there's people that have never been to that show that got sent there because they were in an IT position, entry-level position, whatever, or they were in a compliance position, and they got moved into an infosec-related subject matter. And You you think, like, that's the perfect opportunity to do some promotion, I would think.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, I think there's a lot more to it. I mean, you need a lot more than just having representation at conferences. Sure, yeah. Because um, I didn't really, coming into this job, I didn't really come from a technical, right. like, I mean, I sort of did, but I mostly was not in the loop on the technical side you're of things. You're a math
0: major, so you're closer than I am.
1: Right. So. <laughs> um, but I had never heard of any of these conferences before coming to this job. So if you're trying to encourage folks who, and I should say that I, I minored in IT in college, so, I, like, I have kind of a tech background, but – yes. I, and, I, like, and I just had never heard of any of that. So, it wouldn't have mattered if it was an all-female conference. No. I still wouldn't have heard of it. And so, if you're trying to reach a broader audience, which is exactly what we need to do in order to get people into security, is to reach a broader audience, um, then it, you need more than just representation at these really niche conferences. Not that – I mean, RSA is only – not really niche anymore, but.
0: No, I know what you mean. It's huge, but, like, how many people, like, our kids in college, do they know about it? The kids in high school definitely don't know about it. I mean, that was that was one of the things that Tammy told me in, in our interview is that she tries to do mentoring. Like, she, she goes to her high school, mm-hmm. and she talks about technology and InfoSec and tries to get people interested, and she picks out a couple people every year that seem like they're interested, and there's a scholarship program that she, she does. I mean, I think more sort of localized grassroots efforts are probably the best bet to to get real tangible, actionable change there. But that's hard. Like you're you're telling people to take time out of their like day jobs to go and do this. Right. And if I was in her position, I'd be like. I got enough to deal with. Why do I why do I have to do this? Why can't me? right? Why can't the industry as a whole do
1: this? No, I mean, it takes. When I was just about finishing up college, I have a family friend who worked and still works at a major tech company. I won't say which one. Um, but she and some folks that she worked with started um, a program to get to go into high schools and talk to. Um, high school girls and encouraged them to get into STEM, and she recruited me for that effort. And we actually went into a couple schools and we sat down in some classrooms and we talked to girls about getting into STEM, which is was a cool experience. I'm clapping. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and it I don't know, you know, how successful that was, of course, but at least we yeah, because I didn't see it like who knows what the girls went on to do. You got to think it had an effect,
0: at least on. a uh, uh, on someone, a couple of people, because
1: I would hope so. I yeah. mean, and I think there's also, you know, there's no. I mean, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in high school now, so sure. my uh, knowledge on this is a little iffy. But we, like, I wasn't educated at all in like secure cybersecurity was not something that came up in. It wasn't something that came up at all until I decided to be an IT minor in college. Um, what we learned in school was typing and how to use these programs oh and like it wasn't and it wasn't that long ago for the record but it was it, there's just no it wasn't cybersecurity was not ever an option because i didn't know it existed
0: y- you weren't exposed to it and i think right. people take that for granted i don't you, cybersecurity hacking um, data breaches, cyber attacks, it's all in the news. But I think people take it for granted sometimes that just because all that stuff is in the news does not mean that people understand that there's what a CISO is. But right. there's an actual career path for you to go yeah. into and make really good money right. in a very um, competitive yet um, lucrative field where, where there are positions open. Yep. People want to hire uh, individuals to fill those open jobs Um, and if you don't know that that's if you're not exposed to the concept of a infosec career then how are you ever going to know that it's something that you can do right Um,
1: and i think it's it's on the people already in the industry and i think it's on teachers and professors you know to encourage the younger people that they see with the potential for those skills to you know check it out see if that's a career they might want to pursue um you can't have and this is speaking from my own personal experience you can't have professor like college professors in tech discourage you when you go to them and ask
0: that's not maybe I should
1: go into yeah. this technology field or I want to study this in grad school and say and they, you know and they tell mm, you yeah no, no
0: you don't want to do that right you should go somewhere else
1: that's that's no good. I know that drives <laughs> you crazy
0: to this day, and it should. I would, that will stick with me for a while. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 think events, like, I, I think events are a big part of raising the profile um, and letting people know that are already in the field, that, or, or in the technology field or peripheral field, that InfoSec is something that you can do, like, it's not just predominantly, or it's not solely, it is predominantly for a a male field, but it's not solely for men. There are career paths, there are um, opportunities out there. But you're right, it's, we could have, you know, if RSA had 50% female speakers, keynote speakers, if they had um, 35 to 40% of the sessions with with female presenters, Mm -hmm. does that fundamentally change the numbers, um, and if they do that for the next three years, does that fundamentally change the numbers? Might, uh, there might be an increase, a, a small increase in the number of women in the field, but, like, if you, I, th- I think you're right, like, I, I think if you want, like, real seismic change, it's got to start earlier uh, with younger people. And that's, that's one of the things Tammy said as well. And I, I saw, you know, when I spoke with them, they said something similar. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, diversity programs are great. Yep. Uh, I spoke with Rob Clyde about their, um, they did a, their annual study about uh, workforce, you know, the workforce shortage, the skills gap, what's happening, and they're a big component in that report about the gender diversity gap and how it contributed to it. And he said something similar. Like, you gotta start early. You yep. cannot wait until people are already... In a like, in a like, starting a career path and expect them to to veer right and go into infosec when they don't, you know, I mean, some people yeah. may do that, but
1: I mean, I think a lot of, maybe not a lot, but I know of and has spoken to women who got into infosec indirectly, just sort of by accident, yeah, because um, they sort of showed an aptitude aptitude for it. Maybe they weren't even working in technology to begin with, but that's just they had some great mentors who helped them find the way Yeah. and they've been successful in the field and they've made a difference. And
0: Mentoring is big. And I think another thing that is going to come into play in future conversations about this topic and future podcasts about this topic is how much the, um, the, the job requirements come into play here. And, you know, we ask for four years of college for a lot of these jobs we ask for like certifications we ask we ask for a lot like is a time to sort of create more entry-level positions that don't like relax the college the four-year degree requirement relax some of the other uh, demands there so that you get more applicants this was something that i thought was really interesting and i want to go back to the the interview with tammy and just get your take on it before we wrap up she said something interesting about you know, hey, it, the, the most resumes that I ever got looking for open in positions was when I, I sort of got rid of the four-year degree requirement. And she said, I don't have a four-year degree. I went to a technical school to mm-hmm. learn about computers. Um, I
1: think the military is also a good uh, backup for should, that. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: she says, uh, "She says y- y- you have the re- – I'll read this. This is a great quote. Uh, quote, You have the required and the mandatory things that you see in the job descriptions. When women look at a job posting, they see the mandatory requirements, and we look at it as being 100%. That's the way our brains work. If I don't meet 100% of this, I'm not going to send my resume in. Now, when a guy looks at it, he may say, I've got half of this. I'm good to go. And I say, it's true. I've definitely done that, because I have.
1: And I have done the opposite. Yes, (laughs) yes. I
0: was going to say, so I I know, like, we're we're kindred spirits here, sort of – pertaining to that quote, but it's, I do think there's something to that. I think there's, and I I don't know why it is I'm not going to like psychoanalyze the, you know, I I did gender studies back in college, but I'm not, you know, about to sort of, um, you know, uh, psychoanalyze uh, this issue, but I know that I have done that. I know other people have done that, and we've gotten resumes here that you and I have looked at where I've been like, what happened here? Yep. <laughs> you know, just, you know and these have been screened by HR. Yep. Um, so, but I, I do think, to her point, that for for whatever reason, that relaxing those requirements are going to get more people in general, mm-hmm. but definitely more women.
1: Yeah. Um. I think. Uh. You won't psychoanalyze it, but I have a little bit of. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll no. do a little bit. Um, imposter syndrome is. Oh yeah. I mean, it affects. You know, it does, It's not discriminatory about who it affects, except that it affects a disproportionate amount of women and minorities. Yes. So if we,
0: I'm neither, but I have it about being a parent. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to psychoanalyze. <laughs> Sorry. Um,
1: so if we, meaning women and other minorities, um, look at a job description and we see a list of five or six things that are, you know, quote unquote required, required yeah. and if we don't. Possess exactly every single one of them. I think Tammy's exactly right. We're not going to apply um, because we we think, oh, I'm not smart enough for that. I'm not qualified enough for that. There's absolutely no way I'd ever be hired. And then in the off chance that we do apply and we do get hired, we're going to sit there at that job and say, I am not qualified to be here. What am I doing here? Yeah,
0: that's not fair. Like that is. Do you know how many? <laughs> do you know how many guys sit in positions <laughs> that they're yeah. not qualified for? Listen. Um, speaking only for journalism, I've been in this business. It's all I've ever done since college. So I've been in it a long time. And I can tell you, like, uh, people should not beat themselves up over, you know, m- missing out on a requirement or two or not being totally, like, above board for what a job description is asking for. Because I've seen people come into positions and, and not have any of the skills that they need to do. And i am just sat there and go, I, I'm just gone, what, what the hell? How did this guy get into this job? So yeah. don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, just to wrap up, because we could, and I, I've stated this numerous times, we, we could talk about these subjects forever, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, we are coming up toward the end of the podcast here. I do think any, any sort of progress that we can make with these events in terms of making them more diverse and giving more opportunities to... Uh, you know, f- women professionals in the infosec field, I think is going to be a good thing, regardless if it doesn't sort of contribute to a, a, a like a major uptick in the number of, of uh, females entering the field. I think that's got to come from something else. Like I said, you got to yep. start earlier, but I do hope uh, you know, and, uh, as you work on the story, that we start to get like more traction there. More people realize that this is this is a good thing. that We can start to contribute to the yep. problem, of the workforce shortage by addressing this gap.
1: And it's not going to be a sudden influx of people ever. There's no, there's nothing, no step we could take to all of a sudden just have like a stampede of women and minorities running towards cybersecurity. It has to be slow and steady progress.
0: Yeah. Although that would be something if that, I mean, that'd happen. be cool, but
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Maddie, thank you for joining me in this conversation. Um, I know it can be a frustrating one <laughs> at times. <laughs> Uh, But thank you and looking forward to your story. Thanks. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.